Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, Brandon McCarthy. Brandon, welcome. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. How are you doing? Your answer works. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah. 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 There's not same as same as every week where it's. I mean, I weirdly, whatever your thoughts are on the things opening up, it does feel like things are kind of opening up and coming to some. Like you, you don't feel as trapped. I guess so that's. That's helping, helping a good amount, I, th- I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss this because it does feel like something fundamental is is shifting on us here. But we should uh, introduce our third uh, our third uh, wheel uh, for this uh, for this podcast. And I don't even know that he's here because he he had to leave right as we were starting this thing uh, in order to uh, get his food, uh, which apparently is a pretty high priority for him. So I don't even know uh, if Alan Seppenwall is with us yet. Alan, are you back yet? See, he's not even back. This is just, this is so typically Seppenwall, isn't it? He's just like, he's, he's here. And then he just, he just wanders off to get his food and, and he'll, he'll come back if he feels like it. I mean, it's I think this is so typically like podcast. This is just the, <laughs> the essence of this. Like why are any of us doing this? And then we we're free to come and go as we please. <laughs> Same with the listeners. I think they just turn this on and they're like, I'm going to go get food. Never mind. Are, wait, yeah, are I you d- guys talking trash about me behind <laughs> my back? Well, it wasn't really behind your back since you were supposed to be here on the show. You were like, that's the whole point of you actually coming on here. But Welcome back. Welcome there, uh, Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have you. Uh, you got your food. Are you okay now? Yeah, we had, we had to disinfect the food before it could come in the house. So that took me an extra 30 seconds, but we're, it's all good now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, look, it's good because the listeners can, can uh, imagine uh, you eating while we do this thing. Um, so, so, you know, we were actually discussing while you were gone, the fact that it, feels like things are shifting in our lives a little bit over the last few days kind of things are opening up a little bit uh one way or another whether they're opening up in ways that that directly affect us or don't uh it just does doesn't it feel to both of you guys that like the last week or so has just been it's like it's like for two months it was no change it was just a complete flat line through through this crisis and it does feel like in the last week for good or for ill uh things have shifted a little bit you guys feel that way i certainly do um yeah i mean i i've been into um like out in public a little bit a little bit more and and seeing things like um it feels like things are coming out but then i know like certain businesses i know of are involved with like are starting to open up and you you see like a a line coming obviously we know baseball is starting to talk about it's coming down the road same with the soccer team i'm involved with like you can see this it looks like endpoints are coming closer as opposed to just sort of wandering this desert of when are we ever going to emerge from this so um it definitely feels like something's coming which is has been a nice change a little bit alan what about you not so much for me, just because we've sort of been living a very cloistered existence since this started. Um, I had literally flown back from Los Angeles the day the quarantine began. And so I was already self-quarantining from the rest of my family for about two weeks. So we got a very sort of rigid lifestyle. We go out for walks and things. 
and I will go and do the shopping, but that's about it. So, but certainly seeing in the headlines that sports leagues are talking about starting up again and it seeming maybe plausible is that's certainly different, but in terms of my own life, it's been about the same for two months now. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with both of you. I, I feel like things are a little different. I don't know how our individual life is different. Like here, our family, like everything is sort of the same. I mean, we've had a little bit, you know, of, of a change because my daughter graduated high school uh, in the, in the last week. And, and so there's been like some vague attempts and various attempts to try to give her, uh, the high school graduation experience. We've had a couple of people from the school come by and, and, uh, we, we've had, uh, signs put in our front yard and things like that, which are kind of cool. But, um, so part of it is like, I don't feel like, like nothing has changed so much in our lives. And yet on the other hand, I got to say, I think I hit my low point, hopefully the low point, like about a week and a half ago, it just felt, I, I don't know, there was like a sort of a depression and, and a sense of, of gray about this whole thing. I mean, it's been brutal for everybody for a long time, and I'm not trying to say that that uh, that it hasn't, but I don't know, it felt like maybe a week and a half ago, I, I thought, wow, this is this is hopeless. And, and it just felt really, really down. And, and, and I don't know in the last week, I'm look, I, I don't know how this is all going to turn out with, with communities opening up. And, and I have a lot of fear about it and a lot of concern about, about what's happening. And, you know, specifically in sports, there's been a lot more talk of opening up and there has been a little bit of opening up with NASCAR and, and all the baseball talk and everything else. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it feels like at least it's, it's different, right? I mean, it feels like at least we have something, something new, somewhat new, at least to talk about, right? I, I, yeah, I, at least it's like, I keep saying like the, something's coming. It, it, we have something to look forward to. It feels like, and hopefully all these open openings go well, and we are moving towards at least just a normal society for a little bit. And we're just going to deal with the illness as we, as we kind of move through and hopefully we can mitigate it somewhat, but it feels like there's things to look forward to. Like, oh, there might be things in the summer now, as opposed to just us sitting at home and trying to binge the same shows over and over and, and quietly doing nothing. So uh, it's it's like there's something to look forward to, I guess. And yeah. weird, weirdly, it's been almost the reverse for me in that throughout this entire time, there's been tons and tons of TV. So in terms of what I'm writing about for Rolling Stone, I have not lacked for material. And right as the rest of the world is starting to open up a little bit is when the TV supply is going to run out. And so when we get to this summer, nothing's in production and I'm going to have to start getting creative in terms of what I'm covering and what I'm watching. Well, that is true. I mean, that, that is, that is true. And maybe, you know, maybe that, that kind of shift is, I, I, it is interesting. I, and I really am curious about this, Alan, it feels like the entertainment world specifically um, I'm not going to say it's gone just like normal because it certainly hasn't, but new shows have been coming out. Movies have been coming out and, and you know, it seems like movie, some movies are having some success, uh, with this home model, you know, where they're, where they're not ever obviously appearing in theaters and, and so on. And it feels like maybe the entertainment void for all this it's like, that's like staggered. That's almost like delayed. Like we're going to feel that um, at the end of this thing, when, when things are beginning to kind of perk up uh, for, for everything else, 
that's when the entertainment void is just going to slap us right in the face. Yeah, because, I mean, the shows could go, like, two years between seasons, depending on just how extreme this winds up being. Because I've been watching a lot of stuff lately where it's like you see a crowd scene, and there's several dozen people at a party, or several hundred, <laughs> and it's like, how in the world are you going to make this in the in the new reality of things? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, we watched, um, over the weekend, we watched the new Scooby-Doo uh, movie I'm that sorry. came out. Oh, I know, no. That's what, what else are we going to do? So we watched that. Um, and there were times during the cartoon, uh, that we were watching when we all were like, you know, they shouldn't be that close together. Like they should be, you know, Scooby and Shaggy should, you know, a little bit of, little bit of social distancing from, from, from Fred and, and Velma. It just feels, felt a little too close to me. So yeah, everything, I do wonder how much all of that is going to change. I mean, even after we get through this, even after there's a vaccine and everything else, it's still, I don't know how quickly we're going to like be able to start looking at crowds and thinking, yeah, that's normal again. I, I still like kind of run happen. away from people if they're like a block <laughs> away from me when I'm out for my walk. So I think we, yeah, once we get that. outdoors, I think it'll happen a little bit quicker than we think. So long as, uh, the virus doesn't just explode again and we feel like we're being inundated by it. I think, I don't think we were away long enough for this to have affected us long-term. I could be totally wrong in this. I think we'll probably wash our hands more, maybe be more aware, but I think we're all hardwired with 30, 40, 50 years of um, kind of behavior. I don't know that two months was going to totally reset that, but I, again, I could be, I could be wrong. We're still taking our belts and shoes off at the airport. So maybe, maybe it does. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember know. Remember airports, some... guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's remember airports is the, is the new version of remember when we didn't have to take off our belts yes. and shoes at the at the airport. Um, that seeing like that's to me is some of the weird one. Like when you see an old movie and you see like the person who is waiting for you at the gate. Remember when they used to let you go to the actual gate to wait for people to come in from from other flights? I mean, it's. I do wonder because there are certain things to me that I can't imagine doing again. And I'm, I hope that that isn't true. I hope that, that, that when we get through this, we'll, we'll go back to something resembling normal, but like, like a, like a buffet, like I, you know, I wasn't that crazy about buffets to begin with, but I, I don't see myself like going to a place that has like a, buffet salad bar like i don't i don't know like i say maybe maybe all of this will go away and we'll be like thank goodness it's you know we got a vaccine we're through it and we can all like just return to exactly the way it was i just don't know though it's weird i feel like it's gonna kill the handshake if nothing else yeah yeah what about the hug we 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 talked about this on the first podcast is it gonna kill the haven't seen you in a long time hug oh god let's I was praying for that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So baseball is trying uh, to come back. uh, At least, uh, at least in in the the discussions have begun. And I don't want to go into all of the financial stuff because it's boring and depressing. And, and I don't care. I mean, I care of course, because I, I just don't think there are any good answers. Like no matter what you say or do when it comes to the financial stuff, it's going to tick off half the people 
watching. So, so I don't, I don't want to talk about that, but I do want to talk about some of the rules that, that, uh, that, that baseball is, is talking about uh, and, and how much those would affect the game itself. You know, Brandon uh, was texting you and I and, and Mike were texting the other day about how, you know, they started playing soccer again in Germany and on the bench, they had people, um, social distancing, right? They were sitting six feet apart. Is, is, is that, is that right there, Brandon? Yeah. I just, I couldn't, it was uh, what have I, it's this like interesting study on like the infallible, like how weird our brains are and that we'll rationalize <laughs> some things, but we won't, we won't do others. And I just thought it was this silly. I know there's going to be billions of these little inconsistencies as we move forward, as we open. So I just got to get used to them, but they're never going to stop annoying me. But they're sitting in the stands. They're six feet apart. They're, they're allowed five subs of games right now. So you know a lot of them are going to get into the game now. And then, of course, they get into the game and you tackle people. You bump into them. You, <laughs> you huddle together on a corner kick. You're, there's all these things. I was like, well, what were you just sitting six feet apart for? What, what did any of that have to do with, with any of this? And so I know that that's coming in baseball. There's going to be people sitting. It, it's just all so like... I don't know if it's just for appearances. I we're trying to make social distancing look cool, which that confuses me because I think the whole world has kind of gotten on board with that in the last two months. So it's just sort of like if you're going to open up leagues and do it, I'm of the mindset of like, just do it then. Like you just got to take it. Try and try and keep outside influences away from the inside. But once your group is there, I, I don't know. I think I might be way too hardline on this, but I just, I'd rather see that than just these weird little inconsistencies. Yeah, I... I'm not as bothered by it, honestly. And, and, and as we discussed it, we talked about, you know, that it represented something it represented, you know, when you have those guys sitting six feet apart, it represented, Hey, we're, this is a weird time we're in. And, and, you know, even if this is just for show, we're still doing something to try to represent how, how strange this time is and how we're all trying to deal with it. It's fine. I mean, there's so much stuff that we do in sports anyway, that's, like supposed to represent something larger. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast numerous times, but the idea that the manager has to come out uh, to replace a pitcher, come out, takes the <laughs> ball away and then gives <laughs> the ball to the next pitcher. I mean, like, like that's silly, but yet, you know, sort of wonderful in its own way. So I don't have a problem with that, but I will say that when you look at these rules, uh, some of them seem uh, particularly bizarre to me. Um, the, the rule that I think most people are going to talk about is, uh, Alan, they're not going to be allowed to spit anymore <laughs> in baseball. And, and I think, I think that, I mean, spitting in baseball is like literally, I, I mean, it is, it is the ultimate cliche. Like the, the one thing that people who don't know anything about baseball know is that pe- players spit in baseball Will baseball be the same without spitting, Brandon? No. No. Alan? I... No, based on my long experience in, in the major leagues, there's no way you can have baseball without <laughs> spitting. No, as a fan. As a fan, can you watch baseball and, and they're not spitting? It's weird. I mean, that you're right. Baseball is like one of the fundamental images. Like if you showed someone the naked gun baseball sequence who had never seen baseball before, they might be confused by a lot of it. But when everyone is spitting in the dugout, they would get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I keep thinking of like that Roseanne Barr uh, national anthem fiasco. <laughs> like like half the fiasco was like like she spat like that was she was trying to make a joke about spitting in baseball and it 
came across like she was spitting at the national anthem which she had sung horribly that was such a dreadful idea i don't i i think back to that moment in time uh not to think back to just how ridiculous and horrible it was that she sang the national anthem in that horrible way but to think about the poor san diego padres like marketing person who had set it up to begin with like like that person i'm sure was fired and and then flogged and and you know i i'm sure they were like i i just we were just asking roseanne Barr to sing the national anthem it, it didn't seem like it would go so awry but but anyway back to spitting Brandon, you just said no, right? No, there's no way that, that baseball without spitting. Come on. If I'm if I'm outside now, still to this day, I'm spitting all the time. And it's not like <laughs> not like big comical comical spitting that like a cartoon character. Uh, just like gentle little spitting. I mean, it's truly just a tick that you um that just built into you as a baseball player for whatever reason. I don't know. I also, when you're nervous, like you just your salivary glands just kind of kick up, so it, you're just your mouth is full. you're just doing weird things, and so you spit a bunch, and um, <laughs> so it's a very natural thing for me. And and I I couldn't imagine being on a baseball field, um, especially as a position player, less so for a pitcher, but uh, and just being out there and sitting there for innings, and then someone monitoring your spitting. I I mean, a lot of these guys, especially that I know, they've said no uh, no no chewing tobacco, so. One, that's a weird thing because, I mean, a lot of them do honestly have a physical dependence on it. And so if you take that away, they're going to have to put something else in their mouth. Um, they're going to have to chew gum, put something in there. This whole, like, like this cutting things off at the – I don't think it's going to go as fast as people think. So um, that's another one of yeah. those rules where I get it, but it just feels like we're going to be – who is going to police this? How are you going to punish this? Are you going to suspend <laughs> an MVP for spitting? What, what, what are we – what are we talking about here? Well, There's Brandon, so much. I've, to... I've got an important question related to this, which is: At what age did you realize that it was socially acceptable for you to spit while playing baseball? <laughs> Very young, probably. I would assume. I I, yeah. I had a thing in T-ball of just doing whatever I saw the guys on. I used to clean clean those like crappy little rubber bases in um, in T-ball because I I saw umpires doing it in big league games or like guys kicking it off. So I did whatever. I saw people on TV doing so. This might be why they're trying to get rid of chewing tobacco. There's, there's so much to unwind in 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 what you said there, Brandon. I mean, from from the fact that you're still out there spitting, like you know, you're you're not. It's not cool to spit in public, right? You Hundred percent. Oh, I don't like, do it as like a hey, check this out. And I'm not marking territory. I just happen to be walking around. On, now, it's not like if I'm walking down a street and there's a whole bunch of right. people around. I mean, if I'm taking a walk. Or something, especially if I'm golfing and I'm on grass, it's just a very natural, like, I, I it would take me a lot to break that habit. Wow. And I, wow. I don't think most people would even notice that I'm doing it. Um, so you're, you're a covert spitter. Yeah, it's but it's, again, it's not this big honking spit you, that, that someone right. is. <laughs> Alan, you spit in public? Has that happened for you? No, this, is gonna go, this is going to go bad for me. I got it. It's not going to go well. No, it really is not. It really isn't. Alan? I will, I will say I have a number of personal habits that my wife will still scold me for. It's like we're out in public. Spitting is not one of them, I yeah. don't think. But maybe I can add it. And if she gets mad, I'll say, well, Brandon told me it was okay. <laughs> no, just, no, say, just say no. baseball told you it was okay. All right. The Fair. Yankees do it. I can do it. 
now, now Brandon representing the Spitting Association of America. Um, but, but the second part, the second part that I that that we that we must discuss is the how do you police it? Like that is that is like such a great point. I mean, is are you is are people watching? I mean, can you can you can you actually go to replay? on it i mean it's like is that will it have some impact on the game itself it just doesn't it's it's one of those things that like if you set it as a guideline like look it's not that sanitary maybe you can kind of try to avoid spitting that's one thing but but to prohibit spitting just feels to me like guaranteed to backfire and become a disaster i i don't know if i don't know if it's prohibited i don't know if anything has been finalized but i I saw this whole list of, of suggested rules, and while like I get the idea behind them, all of them felt like, who's policing this? Who who is? What's the penalty for this? The whole there's no team meetings indoors. You'd have to go out on the field to have a team meeting. I don't I, I don't even know what that is. Who who polices that one? A the reason for that everybody's just been milling about in the locker room for the last three hours, and now you have to go outside to have a meeting. I, I don't, um, but yeah, again the who's policing this and. And the one thing baseball's taught us over the last 20 years is put a small rule into place and 30 teams will figure out how to like sidestep that rule the closest to saying that they were actually abiding by it. So I, I don't I don't really know what happens. And I know that this is still probably a temporary measure. This could only, you know, maybe two, three months if, if we, there isn't a vaccine or if we haven't moved past this, we play this season out that way. But it's probably enough to just make things difficult for people, maybe unnecessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's right. And look, everybody's trying. I mean, we're 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 poking fun at it, but everybody's trying to figure out what yes. the best way is to come back. And realistically, I think that part of this is we all know that it's not going to be safe to come back. I mean, if if you consider safe being a hundred percent guarantees, it's not. There's it is not going to be one hundred percent. I mean, we all know that. I mean, this this virus is still very much out there. I mean, thousands of people every day are getting it and, and, you know, hundreds, uh, to, to more than a thousand people are dying of it every day. I mean, this is, this, we're not, there, there's no way. So, so I think part of it is sort of a mental, like, okay, we're going to do everything we can, even like, we're going to like, um, you know, prohibit spitting and all that, but here, here are a few of the rules so we can kind of go through these rather than an exchange of lineup cards, lineup will be put into an app. Okay. Uh, when the ball is out of play in between pitches, fielders are encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner. I mean, <laughs> you can't play baseball like this. I mean, I, I, I get it. Catchers are permitted to step on the grass toward the mound to give signs if he needs to stand to relay signs to infielders. So what? Catchers are not even allowed to go to the pitcher? Like, well, I don't understand Non-playing player personnel must wear masks at all time in the dugouts. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then the the bullpen phone will be disinfected after every use. I mean, what? I, I I get it. I again, I get that you're trying your very best to to create a, an atmosphere, but doesn't it feel like the baseball is creating an atmosphere like that is sort of pretend? protection rather than like real protection 100 percent. i think that's probably my biggest thing like it's all just feels like this weird theater like there's only one person even over the course of a season that ever uses that bullpen phone it's the bullpen catcher <laughs> and maybe one other person 
a bullpen a guy in the bullpen who's already going to be in close quarters. That person picks that phone up anyway. It's like, so to disinfect it after each use, like, is there a, a steady line of fans coming through to you? I, there, there's so many of these things where it's just like, Hey, let's just cut some of these things out because obviously this is nonsensical. Let's go back to the big ones. Like, all right, if you have to toss the ball out, if so many people touch it, fine, we're already throwing balls out left and right anyways. But yeah, I mean, to, to pretend a catcher and a pitcher or a catcher, a hitter and an umpire all still standing there within 17 inches of each other all game long. So like people are close. They're just going to be close. We're going to have collisions. We're going to have people. It's even the, the idea of like wearing masks. Um, in the if you're in the dugout or, or sitting in the sands like these people have now truly just been milling about in the same weight room in the same food room in the same locker room and now that we're sitting out there on tv now we're going to wear masks i they all just feel like kind of make-believe rules and I, I get confused by it yeah what do you think alan no i i'm entirely with brandon this is like what what i think has once been referred to as security theater where a lot of the stuff you have to do with the tsa yeah. or like signing a bill that you paid for with your credit card is completely unnecessary it's done to sort of make you feel safe the basic act of playing the game of baseball even if it's more socially distanced than you know basketball or football will be you're still going to be in such close contact that a lot of this stuff while maybe nice in a vacuum isn't going to accomplish a whole lot um, you know, again, the, the first baseman has to hold the runner on first. What are you going to do about that? You can't like change the rules. Cause otherwise, I mean, I guess it would bring base stealing back into Vogue, which would be <laughs> nice because social <laughs> distancing leads. I love this. Or just, we, we'd leave the all time year in like defensive indifference where he just stole again. That'll be the 7,000th defensive indifference of the 2020 MLB season. But, but the other thing, and when you guys were talking about enforcement before, this is what I want to know. Like, what are the punishments for this? If someone is caught spitting, if someone is caught not wearing a mask in the dugout or this or that, is it going to be one of those things where like some really, you know, tactically minded manager starts calling out the other team for, oh, that guy spit, you know, that's a balk. I mean, how is this going to work? Is this Joe, you wrote so beautifully about the pine tar game the other day. Like, is this just going to be the pine tar game? every game from now until whenever this is over. I don't think so. I don't think there are going to be uh, on-field penalties. I think it's going to be, you know, if, 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 if a team is really sort of abusing uh, these guidelines, then I think that the, you know, there'll be a sternly worded letter to them or something. Right. I mean, it's, I, I think this is, this is all like, Hey, let's all work together on this. But, but here's one, here's, here's one of the rules and I get it, but here's one of the rules. Any physical interactions such as high fives, fist bumps, and hugs must be avoided at club facilities, which I don't know if that carries on to the field. Um, are you not allowed to high five someone after he hits a home run after, you know, after in the dugout, are you supposed to, you know, like, is everybody supposed to treat you like you're throwing a no hitter at all times and avoid you constantly? I mean, this is a, if, if that's going to be a real question, then I don't see how you come back. I really don't. I, I mean, if, if everybody's just walking on eggshells and really social distancing at all times, I mean, now we're talking about like impact on the game itself. I mean, part of the game is the interaction between players and, and teammates and, 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 you know, if, to me, if you're, if it's not safe to do that, it's not safe to play ball. That's, That's sort of I, how I look at it. Couldn't agree more with you there. Like that, that to me is a, 
I think if it's just like anything right now, if we're going to open up and we know, you know, our efforts to contain the whole disease have, have failed, we're all working on personal risk now. And we all just assess it on an individual basis. Like, what am I willing to do? What are you willing to do? And so I think if you sign off and say, I'm going to come back and play baseball, we say, okay, here's our mitigation efforts is we're going to test um, constantly. We're going to know who around us has it. And then of course they can be removed and quarantined and we can kind of, we'll let testing solve that and we'll let new cleansing behaviors, wash your hands a lot. Like if you can wear a mask, we're going to disinfect surfaces all over the clubhouse. We're not going to have doors shut. So there's not shared door handles all the time, like shared surfaces, make all those efforts come in. So we lower the risk, lower the risk, lower the risk. But then once you're, once we're doing baseball things, we're doing baseball things. And again, if you're not comfortable, then um, we'll try and like just let the game go be normal at that point. And it's the same when I was talking about the soccer, like they can't celebrate goals together. So they're not allowed to come together. It's like you would, they were all just together sitting in a, uh, getting ready for a corner kick within one foot of each other. And now all of a sudden they can't celebrate. Like it all is just arbitrary. Let the game be the game. Let all the other safety procedures be what's keeping you safe. And if, because none of the other ones are going to, the not spitting isn't going to save a pandemic. Well, that's right. I, that's right. Alan, I'm actually really curious what you have heard. Um, like, like for these television uh, shows that are trying to come back at some point. I mean, and I don't know at what stage, you know, that they've, they've started talking about, you know, coming back. I don't even know because obviously different shows would do different things and all that, but what, what do they see? Like, do they see like a possibility to come back in all of this and try to do some sort of social distancing rules the way baseball and, and NASCAR and, and soccer and some of these others are trying to do, or are they basically going, we can't really come back until it's fully safe. I mean, I've, I've read stories published in some of the Hollywood trades where they've talked about like, uh, you know, a studio executive met with the producers of all of like the, the superhero shows on the CW. And they said, all right, well, we can maybe make start making shows in the fall, but you can't have any love scenes. Like nobody can be kissing or hugging. Any stunt scenes also have to sort of fall under social distancing. So I guess you can't have like fights. Maybe it's a lot of like superheroes, like zapping each other. I, I don't know exactly <laughs> how that's going to work. It's just going to be, you, you're going to see a lot of things where people are like on opposite sides of the room. I think they're going to do a lot of shows as much as possible are going to try to set themselves during the quarantine. So get ready already to be really tired of, you know, a very special quarantine era episode of your favorite show because there will be many of those. So we're going to have a lot of Arrested Development season four where we have an ensemble cast that's not ensemble and they're never together. <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's, right. It's yeah, they, they saw the future that way. And Arrested Development season four, folks, not good. Not watchable. Unwatchable. It's 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 so terrible. Um but that is really interesting because, I mean, everybody's facing their different challenges, but it feels to me exactly the same thing as baseball in the sense of, do I really want to watch a superhero show where there's no contact between people? And I mean, you know, it's we in this family, because of my youngest daughter, uh, are, are big Supergirl fans or were big Supergirl fans. And you know, the love interest of Supergirl was like a big theme, like for at least the first four seasons. Uh, so that's gone. And I mean, I, again, why bother even making it? I mean, and, and I do get it. You bother making it because it's money and because we have to keep going forward and, and so on and so on. But if you're going to make a, a, a television show about superheroes fighting villains and superheroes are not actually fighting villains, 
then I don't see what the point is. And I kind of feel the same way about baseball. If you're going to have baseball, I get no people in the stands. I get some of these other things that you can try to do to, to, to reduce risk as much as you can. But if you're going to have baseball where you're not allowed to celebrate after a home run and you're not allowed to have meetings on the mound and you're not allowed to, to, you know, you want everybody to back away from, from base runners, you know, and I, it's not baseball. I, I don't think, I don't think that's the baseball that we've come to, to enjoy. And I don't know how enjoyable it would be. I think at first we'd all be super excited because baseball was back, but after a little while, I think we'd get kind of sick of that. I think, and just, a, I still think we're going to get sick of it rather quickly because of the no atmosphere. And I know you and I have talked about it, but like the KBO, I, I made it through about three innings and I, like I wanted to enjoy it. And I, I know that I wanted sports to come back, but I just, if fans aren't there, I truly, something in me turns off. I just don't care. I don't know if it's, it's like watching a TV show without a laugh track for a while where like someone has to tell me when to clap, but I, it feels very, <laughs> it just feels so cold and awkward. Like I'm watching a practice game and I've watched a billion practice baseball games in my life. And I realize they're, they're very boring. You can appreciate the sport that's happening, but it doesn't feel like an entertainment event. It feels like a very clinical, um, I, I, just a workout, I guess. So I, I'm worried about that combined with now you put all these weird little rules and peccadillas in place with the game and there's no fans. I think you're just going to find quickly sports will give people a reason to be like, okay, well, I checked that out. I'm, I found out I'd like to go take a hike now. I, you'll give people a reason to go do other things, I think. Yeah, I, I and and by the way, let's let's talk for a second about that with with the fans. I mean, and Alan, you could bring a really interesting perspective to this because obviously there have been, you know, different types of, of, of entertainment. You know, obviously there was there, the laugh track used to be huge and then the laugh track kind of went away. And yeah. but I, I just watching like Seth Meyers, you know, or, or, or Jimmy Kimmel or, 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 you know, uh, Colbert or any of those guys doing the thing from home where they give jokes and there is no laughter. It's weird. It's, it's very, odd it it's it's you know it does i think impact the the sense of the joke and the sense of of the moment and i think that fans have played a much much bigger role in sort of the baseball experience than than some some people seem to be willing to accept because honestly you see somebody hit a home run in a in a let's say at a spring training game where there are very few fans. Okay. There's, you know, you go to a, a Florida spring training game and, and it's, and it's, you know, you have just a few hundred fans in the stands and Albert Pujols hits a home run. It's like, okay. You know, and of course, you know, it doesn't count, but, but the cheers or whatever, and you know, people are out there and they're just getting a suntan anyway. And, and it doesn't have any of the same vibe. Now you take any noise away, you take any sense of the moment away and yeah, I think I'd get sick of it pretty quickly. I think I was just say I remember when the Orioles had to play those games without fans, right? Um, and all the players on both sides complained about just how odd it felt for them. And I didn't watch those, but it's just it's. I think the difference is you can have a comedy without a laugh track if it's already designed to not have one. Like pretty right. much all the shows that Mike has worked on, right? Um, don't do that. But if you got like a talk show like a Seth Meyers or a Colbert, if you got Saturday Night Live or something like Big Bang Theory where it's meant to be performed in front of an audience and then it's not, it plays strangely and we're used to baseball. 
being played with a big crowd, with everybody cheering, even if you're watching from home, like that soundtrack, it helps, it pumps up the experience. I know Joe Buck has talked about like trying to pump in fake crowd noise, but like, how are you going to do that? Like, how do you decide right. how excited the, the the fake crowd should be, you know, for a ground rule double? Yeah, no, I, I actually think the fake crowd noise, while I get the, the basic concept, I think that makes it worse. I, I don't, the one thing that, you know, this is a great, uh, sort of example to me about the difference between sports and, and television or movies and even yeah. sports and television movies is like you're, it's not, it's not engineered, right? It's not scripted. It's not, that's part of what, what makes it so unique on, on television and why it's, you know, the one thing that, that people still gather around the television to see is because you don't know what's going to happen. It didn't come out of the mind of, of anybody. It's, it's just what, what naturally happens in the sport. And yeah, I mean, like I would not want to be the person in charge of the, <laughs> the crowd noise to determine how much, you know, this, this particular Whit Merrifield home run deserves. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel real to me in any way. All this said, I mean, look, this is, it's super easy to pick apart, uh, you know, the very, the very real difficulties of trying to bring baseball back. I guess my big question to you both is, is there a way to bring baseball back in this time while being safe um, that will be joyful and, and, and wonderful and, and, and sort of bring, you know, uh, super, you know, bring joy to people's lives and also sort of enhance the game so that, so that baseball comes out of this, I think, you know, with, with, with a level of momentum and, and excitement about it. Is there a way to do that? Brandon? I, I struggle to see that happening. Um, I just have this big fear with the game that because baseball is a slow, I mean, like, I think we can all admit it at a lot of times baseball is a boring thing to watch unless you're very invested in it. Like um, you're really following or just truly, truly follow along with it. So I think for casual fans or something where you're talking about momentum, coming out of this, the other side where people have picked it up. Um, I think for something like that to happen, you'd have to be having the, a normal baseball postseason happening right now where there's fans, there's electricity, there's this atmosphere that like, Oh shit, I, I totally get that now. And so when it, this ends, they're like, I want to watch more of that. If it's empty ballparks and, and it's the same game and it's, it's still kind of slow. And now you've actually got, now you're really noticing how slow some pitchers work or how much time there is in between pitches. I don't think that, carries momentum coming out of the gate i just i don't think it'll go feel like enough of a shared experience for people to to want to follow up on i think baseball fans will love it which that's why it should come back and it should just keep continuing but i don't think it'll carry momentum out of the out of this what do you think brandon i mean uh, alan um well i i just want to see like garrett cole pitch i want to see aaron judge come up to the plate i would like to see my team play it's gonna be weird to be if they do it without fans and if they try to do these other rules but it's just it, w- it would be nice to have a thing to follow because so much of my routine and we're, I, I, we're going to talk about this a little bit when we get to the draft so much of my daily routine throughout the year revolves around not just watching sports but then reading about sports and listening to podcasts about sports and all of like the collective sports media has been doing their damnedest 
to find ways to be creative, to do things like your, you know, 100 best players list. And now, you know, your 60 moments list and all of that to, to fill that void and create like a substitute for gamers and features and all the other things that would be happening in the course of a regular season. But like, I, I ain't nothing like the real thing. And I want, you know, games without fans wouldn't quite be that but it would be close enough and there would be stories about who's hitting well and why. And you could do things about like players who are suddenly thriving without the the crowds, because maybe they got a little too anxious in big spots. I don't know if that's going to actually be a thing, but it might be a thing. I, I just want to see people play. I am. And that's, I don't want them to be in danger. I don't want anyone to like get sick because of my desire for baseball, but if it can be done in a relatively safe manner, I think that would be a very welcome thing. Yeah, I mean, look, we all want it to come back. And my thought all along had been, and and I don't know if this is real. I mean, this is a thought that I I had at the very beginning of of this pandemic when when you know things first started canceling and postponing, and and I thought you know baseball should look at this season as not a season, right? They should look at this year as a once in a you know, hundred year storm, which it is, and and should try to bring us a game that is fundamentally different from the baseball that that uh, that we've seen over the last ten years. I, and I don't mean that in a bad way for the baseball ten years. I'm just saying you come into it and admit we're not playing a real season. This is the, these numbers aren't going to be real. This and and embrace that and and make baseball super fun, do crazy things for the game and, and try it and say, you know, look, this is, we all know where we are. We would just want to come back and play baseball. And, and in order to do that, we're going to, we're going to try all kinds of things. We're going to have tournaments instead of a season. We're going to, we're going to, you know, have a home run derby uh, to determine games that, uh, that are tied in the ninth, you know, after the ninth inning, we're going to just try all sorts of goofy, fun, interesting things and to me that that does two things one i think it fills people's hunger for sports and baseball in particular and two uh it might give the sport a little momentum coming out of this because because i i literally cannot imagine a more like depressing thing than baseball starting trying to create some kind of real season with 80 games or whatever it is having to stop in the middle because somebody got sick, uh, you know, despite all of these kind of weird rules that makes the game uh, seem less real anyway, I just think that would be disastrous for the sport. And, and, you know, and, and I don't, and I don't know that they can go into a season, especially if it's an 80 game season. I don't know that they can go into the season with any real assurances that that's not what's going to happen. So I would love to see baseball really, turn up the imagination and creativity and try for all sorts of fun, unique things because any attachment to the idea that they can make this into a real baseball season to me is misguided. I I just don't see any real way that with everything going on, with all the things that are going to happen with the fact that they're not going to be fans at the stands, at least at the beginning, all of these other things, it's not going to be a real baseball season. And the sooner that they can disconnect from that idea, I think the better the game can be. Totally agree with you. There we go. Totally agree. And I, I know um, we had I'm talked about that, like that. 
yeah, yeah, there was a great chance here to find new fun things and to like either workshop new ideas or do something that yeah that pushed forward. And I just I I definitely have a sticking point with the idea that this will count as a 2020 season. Um, yeah, because it's it just it's just not. And I think I know we're gonna have to come up with with rules and some of the ones that are floated about with. If a player tests positive, he's obviously in quarantine. If if um, and then people he's been in contact with are now forced into quarantine, so you you run the risk of large swaths of a team. And there are scenarios where an entire team would be quarantined and a backup team would be brought in, um, at least for a short period. I, I don't know what we're talking about in that standpoint. So when we're talking about playoff races. We're talking about stats accumulated for Hall of Famers. Um, it's just like why why is this counting? Why are we fitting this in when we had a chance to do something else? And I. I just, I, especially the scenario you brought up with, what if we get halfway through, this explodes again, and now we have to shut it down? Are we counting all the things that happened before? Does that count yeah. as a season? Or are we just eliminating it when we could have just avoided that whole thing from the beginning? It, it's just a lot of a lot of dominoes that, that are left to fall. Yeah, I, I just, I just wish, I really do wish that, that, uh, and and I, and by the way, I should say, I fully understand how difficult this is to do. I fully understand that there are enormous financial concerns here. And we're not even talking about the owners and the players. I mean, we're talking about everybody surrounding the game. I mean, this is a, this is a big deal and, and I'm not trying to in any way uh, say that it's easy. I'm just saying that what I keep hearing from people is some way to have a season there, there will not be a season. I don't believe that there will be a season that anybody will recognize or anybody will see as, as an actual baseball season. And it won't even be like the, the 81 strike or the 94, you know, season getting cut off. It won't even be like that. It's going to be, it's, it's not going to be a season in any recognizable way. And I think that you, you have to accept that first. And then once you accept that, I think you try to go off the deep end and, and workshop a bunch of ideas and and say, hey, you know, this is this is an opportunity. The one thing that you that is good that, that potentially could be good out of all of this is we're all starving for baseball. We're starving for something to watch, and you're going to have eyes on you in a way that you never really have before. Um, going all the way back to when baseball was the dominant sport. It's, it's, it's going to be a fundamentally different experience. And I, I really wish that, that there was a way to present baseball in a new, interesting and very different way, just because it's going to be that way anyway. So I, 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 I say go all for it. Alan, any here's, final here's thoughts my, on that? Oh, sorry, Joe. No, that's all right. I said when, when we when you talk about like you're going to have new eyes on you, um, I, is that do you think that's going to be the case? Or I mean, as things open up, people are going to start going back to work. People are going to be out and about, like getting closer to their normal lives. And you're going to have, I would assume, basketball will be coming back somewhat soon. Um, things will still be kind of coming back. Why are people more people finding baseball in that scenario if they're getting closer to their their normal lives if they weren't watching it before? Well, I, there, there are a couple of things. One, I'm not sure what basketball's scenario is. Basketball has its own very, very difficult situations. Uh, the fact that it's indoors, the fact that, that the players are, are much more in contact. B- basketball, to me, has a very, very difficult challenge Road back, yeah. coming back. You know, um, But I think that, that people are, gonna, are so hungry for content, new content. I mean, th- th- there's no shortage of content. Mm-hmm. 
but they're so hungry for something new. And, and I just think that, you know, I'm not saying that, that there's going to be sort of a tiger King flood to baseball, but I think a whole lot of people who are like, you know, I used to be a baseball fan and, and Hey, it's back. Let's, let's give it a, let's give it another whirl. I mean, there's millions of those people who, who have sort of lost their, their touch with the game. And, and, and I think they come back. I think there are plenty of people that are like, well, look, I like sports. I'm not a big baseball fan, but I like sports. It's, it's kind of the only game going on every night. Uh, I'm going to, you know, let me watch it. See if I can get into baseball. That That's kind of fun and, and, and a new way to do it. I, I really do think that there's going to be a big opportunity in the sense of a whole lot of people who are willing to sort of give baseball either a second glance or a first glance that they wouldn't normally because, you know, they're out watching movies. I don't know how soon that's going to happen. Like people are going to be out going to the movies or going to comedy clubs or going to, to, you know, just to, to hang out at, at, in, you know, large groups. I mean, that's, that's still a ways off to me. So I, I think it's a big opportunity. Alan, do you have any, any thoughts? I mean, I think that even if the world is going somewhat back to normal, there's still going to be a lot more caution than before. I think that like, yes, people are going to be hungry to go out there in the world, but they're not going to be like rushing out to go to bars and restaurants and parties every night. And so I feel like you're still going to have people being more of homebodies than they were, you know, pre-crisis, even as the weather gets warmer. And as a result, I think there is going to be more of an opportunity for people to be looking for baseball, especially as TV and some of the other things we've been leaning on start slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think I do think that's right. All right, let's go to our draft. So uh, there is a very specific reason that I chose this topic for our draft um, that I will get into. I'm sure very, very quickly, but our draft topic is stuff that has replaced sports in our lives during this pandemic. I guess stuff that has replaced live sports during our our time in this pandemic. That's it. That's the only instruction that we have. Uh, it is a three round draft since there are three of us. And uh, Alan, you get to kick it off. All right. So the the big thing that I've been watching that it seems like the whole world has been watching, or at least on my social media, has been the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN that just wrapped up uh, on Sunday night because. Like, there's no basketball, there's no anything, and suddenly you get to spend 10 hours reliving the career of, you know, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, and hearing him relitigate all of these great old feuds and all the myth-making and everything. And I don't think it's a great documentary, but it was so much fun to watch, and so much fun to have some semblance of basketball for a little while, especially the era in which I grew up and really became a fan of that game. This is great. This is excellent. So we can get right away to the uh, <laughs> to the reason that I wanted this draft. Uh, I'm happy to, to help have. you out, Joe. Thank you. You. This is this is. You know what? You get you get two full podcasts of of uh, us being nice to you for 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 choosing the last. Oh, wow. Dance. Yeah. There you, well, I I can't speak for Mike. By the way, while we were talking, Mike texted us um, to re- to point out that we are recording this on Tuesday. To point out that in 2008, on this date, John Lester threw a no-hitter uh, against Kansas City Royals. I was there, actually, for that game. Uh, and then he he correctly jumped into the arms of Jason Faradhek, the catcher, rather than having the catcher jump into the arms of the pitcher, which 
for those of you who who did actually listen to the last podcast, we spent about four hours discussing uh, the <laughs> correct way to celebrate at the end of a game. So just just a little mic thought there. Um, so I have not seen one minute of the last dance. So I, so let me let me go ahead and and preemptively say this: I have not watched any of it, and uh, I'm sure it's great. And I've read a lot about it. I've seen a lot about it on Twitter. Uh, I'm, it, it does seem to have connected a lot of people and I love that. Um, so that I'm, I'm throwing that out at the beginning in order to say this, I am so glad that thing is over. I have hated every minute of it being around. Uh, I have, it has literally driven me out of my mind. I, I spend approximately three hours every day being angry about the last dance, even though I have not seen one minute of it. And and there are, there are three basic reasons why this is true. One is look, I grew up uh, in the Michael Jordan era as well, was a big fan of Michael Jordan, wrote about Michael uh, a few times, uh, was in North Carolina when, you know, in high school, when he hit the shot to win the uh, national championship. So, so have very fond memories of Michael Jordan. However, one, this, this thing has brought out the worst in our generation, the absolute <laughs> worst in our generation. Now we have everybody in our generation talking about how great basketball was in that time and how terrible it is now, how much better Michael Jordan was than every other basketball player who's ever lived, including LeBron James, who was clearly a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. And, and three, it has brought out this nostalgia that we used to nothing. My generation did more than complain about the nostalgia of the baby boomers. That's all we ever talked about. It's like, we couldn't escape it. Like they just kept shoving the Beatles and the Rolling Stones down our throats and, and, and telling us how great things were in the fifties and sixties and, and, throwing all of these movies and television shows. And the one thing that I thought my generation was never going to do was turn into the baby boomers. And that is exactly what this, this last dance has done. It has brought them so that they are out there just having these horrible thought pieces about, about how great basketball used to be and, and how today's players aren't tough enough to fit. And you know what? A whole second point I want to make. I'm going to just connect. The second point is it has brought out people talking about how players today would not be able to play in the 80s and 90s because they couldn't handle hand checks. This has been like like a whole theme has been the hand check thing. Oh, how would LeBron handle it if somebody was hand checking him? LeBron is six eight. 275 pounds, he would be able to handle like a hand check from Kevin McHale. Give me, this is so <laughs> nonsensical to me. It drives me absolutely insane. So those two are connected. The, the incredible uh, nostalgia storm of people sitting there talking about how great basketball was then when it's so much better now to the, the hand check thing. It gets its own category, but three, Man, 10 hours on Michael Jordan. I'll tell you Michael Jordan in two seconds. Michael Jordan was a psychopath who wanted to win. 
That's it. That's the whole story. There's no depth there. There's no second level there. Michael Jordan was a lunatic who would do anything to win. And that's fine. It's it's not interesting, but it's fine. The thing that that really frustrates me about it though is that people have used that to like speak to like higher purposes of of Michael Jordan. Like, oh, the players today, they don't they don't want to win the way Michael. Oh, give me a break. I, it's <laughs> oh, it makes me so mad. So thank you for picking uh for picking the last dance so that I could get this out because it has been driving me absolutely insane. Well, you know, as someone who has built his entire career out of offering opinions on things I've watched, nothing could be make me happier than allow you to unleash a seven minute rant about something you've not seen a second of, Joe. I haven't seen one and never will now. Never will. There was a time when I thought, you know, I'll watch it. At some point I'll watch it. Because look, it's it's still cool to see like I guess those old guys play, but I will never watch it now, ever. Brandon I, I, God, I I had you not said it, had your mic stopped working, I would have filled in and not even missed a beat. <laughs> On your rant, I just sat here. My neck is sore because I sat here nodding for the last whatever <laughs> five minutes of your screen. The whole thing, and I, I'm with you. I, I actually will probably end up watching it just because, again, it's something to watch and it's about sports and right. it's all to it. But I'm not going to do it with a lot of enjoyment. I know that, and I hate what it's brought out for all the reasons that you said. I especially hate that it's ignited what I find to be probably the least enjoyable topic in the whole world of sports is the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate, <laughs> because it is exclusively the domain of idiots who just sit there and just squabble back and forth about the same nonsense. And I don't understand it, how it's just so impossible to be like, Hey, both are good basketball players and then move on with life. Um, <laughs> so the fact that that's kicked up something that was already alive and raging and now there's this 10 hours of Jordan porn that those people have to get off on and, and put in our face. Um, it's just brought up a lot of things that I just, I just simply don't care about. I'm glad that people have found a way to enjoy it. But I, I, the other thing that really bugs me is it's this sort of like deification of his mindset and acting like he's this extreme outlier when, like you said, he is not an outlier in that mindset. And one of the things uh, Michael Young and I, a great former teammate of mine and a wonderful baseball player, we talked about this last week and, He's like, that mindset's not that, it's not that crazily different. It's not, it's not unique. And I was like, I, I completely agree. There are, the difference is, is obviously his talent combined with his mindset and circumstance. Right. Like there are five guys on almost every sports team who have the exact same mindset as Michael Jordan. They are just obsessed, freakishly devoted to what they're doing. It just so happens that most of them aren't very good, or some of them are offensive <laughs> linemen and you'll never hear about them. Or they're Adam Rosales who just, they get DFA left. Like they're just it makes them better than they ever should be, but it also, they're not getting any documentaries written about them or we don't talk about them as being generational freak shows and that. So it's this weird like celebration of him and his mindset when it's not as rare as people think. Yeah. Now I, what made Michael Jordan great was not the mindset. I mean, the mindset's part of the story to me, what made Michael Jordan great was he was an unbelievably just devoted, driven, talented basketball player that's 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 it i mean you know if michael jordan was five foot eight and right. and uh you know forget it you, he could have the exact same mindset they didn't play on the bulls so so i uh, you know i think that's that's it but but uh, Joe, did you know that he didn't make his high school team one year i don't know if you've heard huh. this but one of those huh. years so he really when you talk about Wait, coming what? back to adversity i think he didn't make a basketball team uh one In time but then yeah of course 
I mean, sure, I feel later like on. I like I would have heard about this by now if that was true. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What high school coach wouldn't play Michael Jordan? That doesn't make sense to me. Boy, I don't that's know. Strange. But I, that's what that's I heard. Right. I wonder if Jordan I wonder if Jordan forgave the coach for 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 cutting him. <laughs> you, you you don't think you don't think he would be like he'd be petty enough to like, I don't know, insult the coach when he made it into the basketball hall of fame. He wouldn't have done that, would he? I doubt it. No, but when, you, when no, you're looking for crazy. It looks for <laughs> nobody would do that from, and you need like a beginning, like a good superhero origin story. It's important yeah. to to note that as a freshman, he didn't make a basketball team. Of course, that he <laughs> he was generationally talented, played at UNC, was should have been the number one overall draft pick, but he was pretty short on talent, so it was all about mindset. <laughs> you know what else, right? It, that's it, that one is the worst, but the second worst is the Tom Brady getting drafted in the sixth round origin story. That you know him crying because he got dra- he got drafted. This look, the guy was not good in college. I mean, the, and he got drafted, and and he somehow thought he should have been a first round pick or something. And but this drove him to become man. If that Tom Brady ten hour special ever comes out, I'm leaving the country. Absolutely, I'm telling you that right. Let's now. get an Airbnb in Italy or something, and we'll just <laughs> we'll okay, fire. I I will not be able to take it. We'll take it. Alan, you did say one other interesting thing. You did not think that the, the documentary was very good. Cause the one thing I've heard over and over again is how good it is. No, no, it's, it's entertaining. I don't think it's a good documentary. Like in terms of a, it's, it takes this very narrow focus. It's largely sort of hagiography, hey, 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 hagiography. I used to know how to say that word, but I forgot. And it's like, just <laughs> it's, it's in hero worship mode. And a lot of it, a lot of that discussion that you guys are both tired of is fueled by the fact that every single episode of the of the documentary is Michael like coming up with some new story about someone who pissed him off and therefore inspire <laughs> George Carl wouldn't say hello to me in a restaurant. And that's why the greatest singles season NBA team ever ran roughshod over the Supersonics in the finals. Like, no. You were just better than everybody else. And Scottie Pippen was better than any other team's number two. And Phil Jackson was an amazing coach. And you always had a great number three player in either Rodman or Horace Grant. No, it's stupid. And that part of it is really, it's its almost like self-parody by the time you get to some of these episodes. It's, you know, it's like, did you ever, either of you ever see uh, The Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes. Yeah, so so there's, a, there's a running gag in that where the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character is starring in like the, the umpteenth sequel to his film franchise and in each movie he he's inspired to go kick kick some ass by like someone close to him being killed and in the movie we're seeing within this movie he's like oh my second cousin frank you know he's just so <laughs> upset about that like by the end of it it's like michael jordan is just mad about his second cousin frank and that's why he <laughs> dropped a double nickel on the knicks when he came back to baseball you know oh, i love it I love it. And I love any last action hero reference that, that can be made. So, um, all right, Brandon, you got your first pick. Holy hell. What the, what, are we still doing this? I thought <laughs> a half hour banging on this. We'll just wrap it up. What, what are we drafting? We're drafting things that we done to replace sports. Yeah. Sports. I mean, that, it could be anything you want, but stuff that, that is replacing sports in our lives. Uh, say quality family time. That's, I think that's a nice. Well, that's change. a downer. What that's a, a downer great change of pace. <laughs> what, how we are we just, supposed to spend, we spend 20 minutes ripping 30 that? minutes ripping on <laughs> the Bible of the, the most famous basketball player who's ever lived. So I think this is a good shift for 
For the I like it. Time. I like uh, it. What are you guys doing? What, what when you say quality family time? What does family time look like at the McCarthy household? I think one, there's just less of a TV being on. I mean, for me, I would have at least, especially weekends, like a TV would be on at least just with soccer going on, whether or not I'm sitting down watching it or much, but um, certainly if Liverpool's on, I'm going to sit there and watch it or same at nighttime, I would just have baseball games on. And um, now there's just, especially when, when our daughter's still awake, there just isn't a TV on very often. So uh, it just leads to a little bit better family time and um, meals are a little bit more close knit. It's just us sitting down and eating and, um, it's probably just, it's not a huge change, but it's enough of one that it, it feels noticeable. And I think when you just remove that, like five hours of sports programming a day or live sports, that would have been on. It's just the TV's on a little bit less. I like it. That was a crap I like answer. I, now that I hear myself in reverse, it's, <laughs> it's, it's way too meaningful for the podcast. I've already but, lost but the draft. You've lost. Yeah. There's nobody, there's no way to come back from that. No nope. matter how meaningless the last two picks are, there's no way to come back. Uh, all right, with my first pick, um, so I'm. This is this is true. These these are all for me. I mean, this is we have become my daughter, my younger daughter, uh, and I have become somewhat obsessed with uh, table tennis. This has been uh, my daughter uh, plays tennis. I, I play tennis, and and we have not played very much during all of this. And, uh, in fact, I haven't played at all. Uh, my daughter finally went out for the first time the other day in, in, in a social distancing way. Um, so we've been playing table tennis. I got a table tennis, uh, table for my birthday. Um, so we've been playing uh, ping pong, uh, which has been great. We've getting better and better. I have started watching YouTube highlights of, uh, championship table tennis matches. Uh, to the point, and, and here's how I know that I've been doing this a lot, because it's not something I've, I purposely went out. I just, it's just something one, like, you know how, when you sign into YouTube, like it'll show you like the recommended videos. So three of the eight recommended videos right now are table tennis videos, which tells you that I've been watching a lot. The second reason I know uh, I've been watching quite a bit is, um, I can now name various tables. Like I know Timo Boll and Ma Long and Matthias Falk um, and others. You made up at least two name. of those names. No, so. no, no. Oh, no, no, no. These, this is real. This, By the way, there is there is somebody uh, listening to this who is a huge table tennis geek, I'm sure, uh, who, will, who will say, yeah, of course, everybody knows them. Um, and here's the thing I've noticed when watching table tennis, like like high, high-level t- table tennis. Like there are, there, there are two different ways to watch it. One is to watch like highlights, like great shots. Like they'll have like the best shots of the 1999 world championships or whatever, which is really cool. But if you watch an actual match, um, the points are almost all like two shots. And, and it's not like two like amazing, like, like Forrest Gump, like slams or whatever. It's that they put so much crazy spin on the ball that the serves are all like they like on television or on video. They, the serves look like they're nothing. They're very, very slow and they're short. Uh, so there's just, it looks like they're nothing, but, but the, the, the ping pong ball apparently is spinning at such an incredibly ridiculously high rate that there's no way to return that with any power. So then that person then sort of bloops the, the the ball back, trying to put their own spin on it. And then the person serving tries to slam it usually. 
and either makes it and wins the point or misses it and loses the point. And every now and again, every probably four or five points, there's a back and forth. And then sometimes it turns into like this epic, wonderful thing where one guy slamming it and the other one's hitting lobs and just we're getting it barely back. And it's very fun. But for the most part, it's, it's really just, uh, just a guy putting unbelievable spin on the ball and then the other person not being able to handle that level of spin. But the second thing that I've noticed from, from watching this is man, table tennis crowds like in China are awesome. They are so into their table tennis and, and you, you could tell it's one of those things where if like, like as an announcer, you would say like, wow, you know, the, they're really known for their, you know, their knowledge here, you know, their table tennis knowledge here in, in Berlin, you know, I mean, it's wherever, wherever it is, the crowd is like, they know, like they, you see something, you're like, that didn't look like anything to me, but they know it's like the single most amazing thing ever. So I have learned about table tennis and watching table tennis. That has been my first big sports thing. That's it. No thoughts at all about this. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I don't Good. blame you. There's nothing really to say beyond that. No, I still like all it right. because I love table tennis and I know what you're talking about, but I, yeah, it's, it's a good we one. We have a pool table. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's next to my home office and we keep talking about like getting one of those like, things that you can place on top of it to convert it into a ping pong table. And we've just never gotten around to it. And this might be the excuse we need to do it. Yes. Yes, because I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. Pool, while you know, fine for a brief thing. It's not table tennis. It's not ping pong. Ping pong rules. It's 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 just great. Ping pong is just great. And I, by the way, uh, am now. I'm still terrible, but I am 147 percent better than I was when I started. So, <clears throat> so that has been uh, that's been a big thing for me during the uh, during the pandemic. All right, Alan, you're time for your second pick. All right, so my second pick is, because there's no sports to watch, I've been making much more of an effort, and just because we're inside so much, I'm trying as much as I can to get myself and my kids to be active. And so with my son, what we've been doing a lot is we're going out, we're playing horse on the hoop in our driveway, only nice. we, have redubbed, we have redubbed the game Spock, because the other thing we're doing is we're watching a lot of Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation, and he loves Spock, and it's the exact same number of letters. And so we go out there, we try all sorts of crazy shots. He's always trying to throw it in, uh, you know, behind the back over his head, one-handed. You know, even though he knows he can't make it, because if he ever does, it would feel amazing. And as we as we add each letter and you get closer to it, we both do really terrible William Shatner impressions at each other. So it's like when you have <laughs> SP, you go, Spa! Spa! Until eventually you get to Spock! And then you've won. Wow. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I, I think Spock should be the name for horse in general. Um, Brandon, thoughts? Yeah, I like it. I don't. I, it's hard to have many thoughts on people's own personal things that they're doing, and so it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to criticize it or say it's silly or anything. I just like I'm very happy. Oh, it's very, it's good very silly and very nerdy, and that's okay. It works. Yeah. It that's works. Family but stuff it's Exactly, but it only works because you guys have a pool table and not a ping pong table. I mean, 
Ping pong comes along, forget basketball. That's, we it, barely it's ever used the pool table. We inherited it when we bought the house, and it seemed like a cool feature at the time. And in hindsight, we should have made the sellers just take it with them. So This is a great question. What percentage of people that have pool tables in their house simply have it because the people that they bought the house from refused to move their pool table? A lot. I, it's got to be in the 60%. Probably a lot. Yeah, yeah I bet it's over it's, 50. It's over 50. I bet it's over 50. Yeah, you know, and because uh, if we ever got a pool table, I mean, how much does a pool table weigh? I think there's I, a diff- I, I there's like the it. ones that are like a concrete, like a steel, like a big not steel, but like a concrete slab or marble slab. There's different ones. I think that, and then I get really heavy. I think. Yeah, I think that they get like like heavy enough to the point that they're like you need to have like a stable. Like you shouldn't put it on the third floor of your house or whatever. <laughs> you know, if you have a if you have a third floor, I guess. Um, all right, Brandon, time for your second pick. Well, I'm really struggling now after the family time. I guess um, my, I think my like seeing like I'm um, I don't know if we've talked about it here, but like I'm beyond golf obsessed. Um, right. It's truly, I mean, that's what I do all day, every day. If I'm not, it's replaced since I don't have to go to work. I just I go to a golf course and practice like I'm going to be a professional golfer. I mean, it's it's truly something that's replaced the whole like competitive fire for me, and and I really, really, really work in it. So when I'm at home. I had the golf channel on a lot and the golf channel has done a really good job of just replaying like classic rounds and old Ryder cups and things that are actually still fun to watch um, now after the fact, because it's, it's still something I'm enjoying. I'm watching for the technical side of it. So my daughter will watch some of it with me and get interested. And so we have, um, she, a couple months ago, just wanted to start going in the backyard with me or just going out and, you know, finding a little like secluded spot on a golf course and hitting golf balls with me. And um, my wife and I are both play a lot of tennis as well. And, so she started to see that and get into it. So she's wanted to do like both with us and, and like she wants tennis lessons. She wants golf lessons. She just wants it. She's only four and she hadn't really had a much interest in sports other than just kind of watching them but not playing them. And in these last couple of months, she started to go out and and she's really starting to hit a golf ball well and then like hitting a tennis ball well and like doing forehands and backhands and doing things that we had never seen before. And so we're, we're finally entering into that little stage where like – you see a little kid getting interested in sports and figuring out that they're okay at it and wanting to do more. And so that that's been a fun little change for us that um, now, because there's less time that we would have sitting in the house, maybe watching a sport. It's like, all right, let's go outside and do this. And um, that's been a real blast for me as a dad. I don't know that this is even really an answer to this draft, but it's just a thing that's happened during this period that I've, that I've really enjoyed. I think it's, it is something. Sure. I now, would, would my wife Margo and I have any chance in doubles against you and your wife? Uh, most likely, no. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. That's, I it's, just it's, I, it's a it's a fair comment. It's a fair. I, I but I I take that back. I mean, like if you guys are very good double players, my wife and I do not play well together. Uh, I don't care for her okay. non Jordan esque mentality. She <laughs> congratulates the other team on good shots, and I have to constantly tell her stop doing that. Um, so I'm very, I'm much more the asshole Jordan in that dynamic, but, um, without knowing like what level you guys are at or how good you guys are, I I shouldn't have answered that that way. No, no, you, it's fair for you to answer that way. There was, that was your Jordan coming out right there. Actually, that's true too. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I would pay, I would watch a 10 hour documentary about you guys playing doubles together like that. I would watch. I don't think it would fill up 10 hours of footage because it was just one time in a tournament last year. I told her something (laughs) that like. We had been working. I was like, hey, you have to move with me to the side. And she's like, 
she had some little comment back and I was like, Hey, this relationship, like we're done. We're not playing doubles anymore. I can't like, that's not how people respond to each other at a sports arena. And I just out, not doing it anymore. How, how does Amanda put up with you? I, I have no, I just don't even have any, any explanation for that. No idea. All right. <laughs> no clue. No clue. All right. With my second pick. Um, so, so about, I don't know how long ago it was three or four or five years ago. Um, I had this idea in my mind. So I had all these baseball cards um, uh, that, that I had uh, picked up through the years. Some of them were old ones that I had collected, but others were just at various stages in my life. I, I started trying to collect like a, like all the Kansas city Royals or, or I bought a, uh, a set of the whatever 2017 tops or something, whatever it is. So I had all these baseball cards and I decided, you know, like I got them all. They're just in a box. It's ridiculous. I'm just going to organize these baseball cards. So I bought like a whole bunch of those uh, protective sheets, right? With the nine, you know, the notebook sheets and put all, all of them in um, different albums so that I had, all, you know, I don't know how many, seven or eight or nine albums filled with baseball cards. And then the, there was still a bunch that I kept in the box or whatever. But then I, I had all these albums. And then during this pandemic, I looked at those boxes, I mean, at those albums, and I thought, God, that's so stupid. That takes up so much space. And I never look at those cards. And and there's no reason for me to uh, to have baseball cards and albums. I mean, there's what for what reason? So I have decided during this pandemic to take all of the baseball cards out of their, the, uh, their albums and put them back in boxes. So that has been, I've actually been spending quite a lot of time um, going through old baseball cards, which is fun. the fun part of this is that it, it has uh, allowed me to go through a, a lot of old baseball cards that I had not seen or thought about for a long time and putting them in boxes. So I am, uh, I am, I guess, basically taking what the organization that I did a few years ago and basically disorganizing my, my baseball cards. Um, it has been quite fun. I don't know what the purpose of it is, but at the end, I think that my baseball cards are going to be in one box and, and that'll be better. So, so uh, that is my, that I've been doing that. Well, on the one hand, the looking at the old baseball cards sounds like fun, but the rest of it sounds like pure insanity, Joe. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, okay. The, 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 the point that I am going insane is not a new one or, or one that should be taken Fair. lightly. Alan, yeah. you forgot that no. he tried to rank the top 100 baseball players of all time and do it publicly. <laughs> so he, were, he was well down that road. So just let him enjoy it. Well, let's... well that, there's masochism and then there's just pure madness. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that, you know, it's one of those, you know, that, that uh, there's, there's a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think there was, there was a movie line about somebody doing something crazy. Oh, in field of dreams, when, when he, he builds the field and then later he wants to go and, and confront the, the writer and, and take, uh, take him to the baseball game. And she said, this is crazier than the field. And he was like, no, the field was crazier, like 15, 20% crazier. <laughs> like, I think that doing the hundred was the, was crazier because, because what Brand didn't throw in is that I did the 100 greatest baseball players in public for people to yell at me about it in 100 days. I did one every stinking day 
Yes. Uh, and I'm doing that with the 60 moments uh, that I'm doing now, the 60 greatest moments of baseball history. So yeah, that's more insane. The baseball cards thing is whatever. I can, I can stop at any time. It doesn't matter. Uh, when you I tell can people stop at any time, that's, that's yeah. the, the words of a junkie right there, Joe. <laughs> well, I, I, I at least theoretically can stop at any time versus like, Oh, I'm going to stop at what? 39 of my 60 greatest moments. <laughs> By the way, that sounds good. God, that would have been, that would have been a great bit. If you could have done that and you just stopped at like the number 17 baseball player and you're like, I said, I give up. You guys finish this and just left it right. There. You guys do it. You know what? Screw you. All right. Screw all of you. <laughs> All right. All right, Alan, time for your third and final pick. Well, you kind of teased it there, which is I've been doing a lot of like fictional sports related programming. So one of them was I finally got both of my kids to watch Field of Dreams and they love it. And they especially love the scene where he goes to see James Earl Jones and James Earl Jones just says, I'm going to beat you with a crowbar till you go away. (laughs) And so now they've both been repeating that line constantly to each other when they're getting on one another's nerves. Uh, and my daughter and I have been watching Cheers together and we're like literally up to the finale. It's the last episode we have to watch. And I think we've been deliberately procrastinating, but there's been so much talk of Mayday Malone's career. And and the weird thing is when you watch the early seasons, he was supposed to have been a good pitcher who ruined his career through drinking. And then as they get later on, like the descriptions of his career are much less flattering. And so there's an episode where he talks about, you know, how his signature pitch was the slider of death. And someone says, well, why'd they call it that? And they said, oh, the opposing team gave it, or his own teammates gave it that name (laughs) because he always gave up home runs when he threw it. That's actually a fantastic point about Sam Malone and Cheers that I had never considered was he, he did not begin as a joke. Like his career was not a joke at the beginning, but it was at the end. At the end, he was Bob Euchre of pitching, right? Like at the end, yes. like that was, that was, that was, but I had totally forgotten that at the beginning, he was supposed to be like a legitimate pitcher who had drunk himself out of the game, right? Wasn't that like, yes. wasn't that the general theme? Yeah. And he had only bought the bar because he was drunk at the time. And it was sort of the one thing he hung on to when the rest of his life fell apart. Yeah. That's a great, see, that's, those are the sorts of insights that only a pandemic can bring to, to, to all of us. Uh, I think excellent. I think excellent. And super glad you're introducing your kids to field of dreams. I continue to fight the field of dreams fight, uh, which by the way, seems to be gaining, uh, steam on the other side of, of the people who, uh, hate it. Uh, which, which reminds me of one other thing that I want to say specifically, uh, to, to you, Alan, uh, did you read that there was a story in the New York Times the other day where somebody was hating on Princess Bride? Did you did you see that? What? I'm somebody canceling was, my subscription. That's not well, okay. Yeah, not okay. That's 100% what I thought. I thought, look, I get everything. Eventually, in this world that we live in, in this Twitter society, everything will get its hate at the end of the day. But I thought Princess Bride above all. Above all things. Man, that's just not acceptable. I didn't read it, so I, I don't know what their point was, and I don't want to know. All right. <laughs> Brandon, you, you get your third pick. Um, I'm really straining here. I guess watching or being disappointed by TV shows, um, <laughs> I've usually that right after we like our daughter goes to bed around you know, 8, 8.30, and usually that gives um, about two to three hours until – Either I, she goes to bed or I go to bed to, to watch TV shows or to to watch through some things. But usually, 
you know, pre-pandemic, this and especially during baseball season, that's when I would just go watch a lot of baseball or uh, especially the West Coast games as they're starting to get going or it gave me a chance to really like check in and watch things. So that was usually baseball time for me. And now it's just us kind of sitting together and, and checking out shows. And so we've we finished up the West Wing a few weeks ago and then moving through. And I, I've been excited for months for the new upload show from Greg Daniels. And um, we've been trying to watch Community because we missed that when it ran. So now we're on to season four. And I'm in this like two week period of I hate everything in TV right now because it's season four of Community, which is supposed to be the worst. And so far, it's terrible. And that I really did not enjoy the upload show. And so I just, I feel oh. like I'm just, yeah, it was, it's the most disappointed I've been in anything in, in quite a while. And so I'm just, we I feel like I'm, it. I just not feel good, like I'm huh? surrounded by badness right now when I, now it's like, okay, now I want there to be a Mariners angels game that I can turn on right now and, <laughs> and watch because this would be better and less predictable. Well, Brandon, you could watch the baseball sequence of the naked gun, which is between the Mariners and the angels. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm very, I'm sad to hear that about upload. We were going to watch that upload show. Did you actually watch that, uh, Alan? Yeah, it's. I liked it a little bit more than Brandon, but it's definitely a disappointment considering Greg Daniels has created some of the greatest comedies of the yeah. last twenty years. Wow. Yeah, we were it, we were going to watch it, but now it dovetails a little bit with Field of Dreams in that, like in Field of Dreams, there are no rules. Like you don't understand, like the people on the field and they can come and go and who's where and what, like. There's no rules. You don't understand what what's happening. Are they ghosts? Are they what the hell? Like, and that it kind of gets into community where there are not community with with upload where it doesn't feel like there's actual set rules and you don't really know who who gets to deal with who and why is that person allowed to do that? It just like <laughs> you'll once you get down that road. Like I just I so 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 want to love it and watch it. It's still very watchable, but you're like, oh, that wasn't enjoyable. Damn it. Okay. All right. Well, that stinks. All right. Well, with my third pick, since you guys are uh, talking a little bit of television, I will tell you what we have been doing. And I can only say this on the podcast because I don't want Mike to find out. Um, and the best way to say to to do something that Mike will never find out about is to mention it on the podcast because he'll never listen to this. <laughs> um, we started watching uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it is, it is humiliating and embarrassing that we never watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine before. Uh, I don't know why it wasn't ever... It just never, I guess we just didn't have the time. I guess we just had other shows in front of it. Um, and, uh, and, and we always intended to watch it, but we never had. Uh, and we started watching it, I'd say about two weeks ago. Uh, we are now through season two. It is the greatest. It's so good. It's such a great show. It's so funny. We have a whole routine that we do. Me and my daughters do during the, during the, uh, you know, the little, intro commercial thing after the, you know, after the, they do the opening and then they do the little commercial and we do the dances with, you know, with the characters and all this, we have a whole thing now with it. It's become our favorite deal. And we basically just every day, uh, right around dinner time, the girls will come up to me and they'll say Brookies. And, and that means we're going to watch Brooklyn nine nines. And, uh, so we've now watched about 50 of them, I guess, I guess their season, their 23 show seasons, I think. Um, and, uh, and we're going to pour through the last, how many more seasons is it? Uh, Alan, five more seasons. They just finished up the seventh season uh, a few weeks ago. Excellent. So we have five more seasons to go and couldn't be happier. It has brought tremendous joy to us. It's, it's, it's so funny and so good. And, uh, and you know, a very much, I mean, I know this is a more of a Dan Gore 
uh, production. Uh, but with Michael, it's a very Michael show that you really like everybody in it. And there really aren't bad guys. And uh, and it's great. So um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that's, that's filled up our time. And I honestly don't know if baseball comes back. I don't think I'll be able to convince the girls to watch baseball. So we'll be watching <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the foreseeable future, I think, no matter what yeah. happens. So. It's a good one. So excellent. All right, there you go. If you guys, by the way, Brandon, you've you've seen all the Brooklyn Nine Nines? No, I haven't. I weirdly, it's one of those shows. Like I've had a bunch of other shows on the list, so I've uh, they always have it on like American in flight um, the viewing <laughs> options, and they right. always have like four or five at a time you can watch. So the only Brooklyn Nine Nines I've ever watched have been on I think American flights where they have the embassy service. So I've probably watched twenty episodes now. I've enjoyed them, but it's just never like occurred to me to like sit at home and watch through. But now as I start to like check shows off the list during this, it's starting to move closer to the front where it's like, all right, at some point I'm about to sit down and just rip through all these. Alan, is it a top 25 comedy of all time? Uh, we're at, we've actually been talking at the office about doing some sort of, you know, to fill the time when, when TV goes away, best sitcoms of all time. I haven't like done the math on it. It is definitely one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years. And it makes me so happy. And my daughter and I, we talk about it all the time. And eventually my son will be old enough. Or we'll, we will watch it as well. But like the one thing I think it does better than anything else, including all of Mike's other shows is the opening, the little like comedy sketch yes. that they will do You're before so the great. credits. So you've already seen, for instance, the one where Santiago is late and they're all speculating on what's supposed to happen. Yes. And, yes. and and Holt guess you know she's in line at the bank, and that's correct. And Andre Brower goes, <laughs> "Hot damn!" And what I love is they cut away immediately to the credits, not because they thought that would be the best version of the joke, but because Andre Brower was improvising and nobody was expecting it, and the whole cast started cracking up, and they couldn't leave that in, so they had to cut it right then. Oh, it's it's so great. That one's great. The one where Boyle comes in uh, uh, with no costume for Halloween is yes. great. There, there's so many good ones. Is this there the one where they did the I Want It That Way with the police lineup that went viral? Yeah, Joe has not the, gotten there cool? yet. I haven't gotten oh, there yet. God, was that so, a funny... So many good ones to look forward to. So yeah, so so if if there's one thing you can take away from this, uh, from this episode, it is uh, watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it is absolutely fantastic and uh and uh i'm sorry i waited so long to to watch it it's it's fantastic by the way uh alan i have an idea for you what you do is you you take the top 100 sitcoms right yes then in 100 days you write one each day at least 4500 words each day that's <laughs> that is that is the way that you need to do it. Uh, I'm just... I, I, w- I will say this, Joe. When when Matt Seitz and I wrote TV the book where we ranked the hundred best shows ever, sure. If if we didn't do it in a hundred days, I think it was pretty close to that because we're both famous procrastinators, and so we had about a year <laughs> to get it done, and we wrote the whole thing in the space of a few months. So that's you. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've yep. been there, and people and people were just as mad at you about your list as they are about at me. So exactly. mine just was spread out more. You know, like sure. if I had put out all hundred at one time, people would just be mad about the list. But I gave people the opportunity to be mad every single day of the list. So <laughs> yeah. that, that was my gift. That was my gift. All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. 
hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. Alan, why don't you start us off if you can? I don't. I didn't know we were doing one last meaningless thing. I thought right, we, were well, on a, we were on a clock today, Joe. I... Well, we we are on a clock, and we're, we're wrapping things up. But but you can't. You can't go without. If you don't have one, that's fine. Brandon, if you don't have one, or do you? I have, I guess, like a little one. I live in the American Southwest, where um, I'm in Phoenix, and then we're up in Flagstaff. But either way, there's a lot of there's a lot of lizards around. I, I don't know if you guys get to see many lizards, uh, and I probably should just love look this up rather than saying this out loud on this. But lizards do this thing all the time where they're just kind of standing still and they do push-ups. Um, like their two front legs, just push them up a bunch of times. It literally looks like they're doing a set of push-ups, and then I'll watch them scurry somewhere else and they do the same thing again. So it's either like they're air humping or doing push-ups and I don't know what that thing is. That's about I, meaningless I, as it gets. I'm going yes. to give you like that made up for your terrible draft right there. That that <laughs> might be the most meaningless <laughs> of all the meaningless things that have ever been said on this thing. The lizard doing push-ups. Um I love it. I love it. And I've seen that. I mean, I, it's not, oh, you have. it's not, com- I've seen it. It's not completely oh, insane. We have like little lizards every now and often here. We have the issue with our dog uh, that he goes after lizards and I don't, I don't understand it. Frogs too. And, and uh, you know, he, he seems like a perfectly friendly, happy, normal dog, except for when he sees lizards or frogs. So Anyway, that's, that could have been my meaningless thing. But instead of my meaningless thing, is actually a question to you each. Um, my question is this. When you put on your socks and your shoes, do you put on one sock and one shoe and then the other sock and the other shoe? Or do you put on both socks and both shoes? Oh, my God. Are you one sock and one shoe and then the other foot's bare? That's <laughs> I'm <insanity>. asking Sanity. <laughs> I'm asking so you are a two sock, two shoe person every time. Yeah. Left sock, right sock, left shoe, right shoe. Yes. Okay. Alan? Uh, I'm the same as Brandon, but this was actually a scene on All in the Family between Archie and Meathead. And ah. I I believe it is that uh, Meathead goes two socks and then two shoes, and Archie does one foot at a time. And and Meathead's like, well, you know, if, if you have to go outside, like in the snow because of an emergency, you're going to be hopping around on one foot. And Archie goes, yeah, but your way, you're going to get your feet wet. Ah. All right. I don't know what that added. But um, there's a clear I right myself- answer here. No, I well, there is a right answer. That's why I'm, I, I wanted to prove this to myself. I found myself the other day getting dressed and putting on one sock, one, uh, one sock, one shoe, one sock, one shoe. And I don't think I've ever done that before. I think it was totally, I didn't even notice it until uh, I was putting on the second shoe. And I'm like, wait a minute, what order did I put that in? I did one sock, one shoe. I think that was the ultimate sign that the pandemic is getting to me. (laughs) Cause I, cause I think that is truly insane. I I'm saying up front, I believe it is insane to put on one sock, one shoe, one sock, one shoe, but I did it. I did it the other day. And, and now I'm watching myself closely to make sure I don't repeat that. But, but it's, uh, I really do think that, uh, that that was the moment where I'm like, man, things are not the same. Things are, things are changing. So there you go. That's my meaningless thought of the day. Wow. So Alan, 
Alan, thank you so much. I, what did I say? I was going to be nice to you for how many podcasts? One, uh, right? Two podcasts, Joe. One, don't, I think. Don't I, try doubling back now. It's I two. think I said one, and this one counts. So I, we're done. Um, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but thanks. But thanks for joining us. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Joe, thanks so much. Good to talk to you guys.